You've tuned into a mega church. We are a people hungry to encounter God through worship and His Word, being witnesses to the world around us. We pray this teaching blesses you and trust God will reveal Himself to you in a new way today. And if you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or to find out more about Omega, head to our website or Facebook page through the links below. This morning we are continuing with our study of First Peter and we'll be studying from chapter 2 verses 13 onwards. God has instituted or ordained three institutions. God ordained three institutions. Everybody say with me. God ordained three institutions. What are the three? Number one is marriage. Marriage is not man's idea, it is God's idea. So when God made Adam, he also made Eve and he brought them together. And we know the story in the Genesis. That's how God performed the first wedding, first marriage. The second is the human government. Unless we have got a government to rule, there will be chaos. In the past, we used to have kings and emperors and they used to enforce and run the country. And then uh, when the democracies came and you got countries with the democracy and uh, you got either president or the prime minister and who, who has the ultimate power in running the country. And we have the human government. And the third one is the church. Church is not man's idea again, it is God's idea. So every one of them are God's idea. So we are going to not look at all things in this morning, but we are going to focus mostly on the human government point of view. We look at it. And next week probably we look at the marriage, how Peter has talked about submission in the, in the light of these things. So God has called us to be holy because he is holy. And he has chosen us, he has elected us, he has called us, all these things we have studied. But how does it work out in our relationships, particularly we have a master or somebody who employs us and we are employer. How does it work out? That we need to understand. So <clears throat> here he says, first the word, how it begins is, submit yourselves. That's what the NIV says. Be subject, ESV says. And it is in the passive voice. Be, be subject. is passive voice. But there's nothing passive about subjection. It's, it's a very active way of doing it. Can you be passively submitting? Possible, but ultimately you have to be submitting, you know, you have to do actively. So NIV uses submit yourselves, King James, NASB, uh, they all use active voice. Submit yourselves, his active voice. So I said, okay, we have to solve the problem. Let me go back and see in the Greek. So <laughs> you look, look up the Greek. Greek is passive, but imperative voice. Imperative voice is a command. Even though it's in the passive, it's a command. That's the reason why some translations have decided to translate it as in an active voice, submit yourselves. Because for English listeners, that force does not come if it is passive. So that's the reason why I changed it to active voice. Apostle Peter expects us to carry out this command. He is not writing just for fun. He wants us to carry out it or to implement it, or to accept it, and to receive it into our lives, and live according to it. 
The word subject or submit is used six times in this letter of Peter, twice in this chapter, three times in the next one, and one time in the last chapter. Used in the context of all to submit to, context of all to submit to governments or rulers, servants, wives, husbands, younger believer. There are different kinds. Peter focuses focuses in this epistle, but this morning we are going to focus on only a couple of them. The question that comes is, why should we submit? Why should we submit? So he gives a reason for it. Verse twenty-one. He says in verse twenty-one, "To this you were called." What does it mean? God has called you, so you will live in submission. So God's call includes living in submission. It is not just, "Oh, I am free. Jesus set me free." And no one has anything to do with my freedom. No one can cut off my freedom. I go to my job. If the boss comes and says, "Do this job," no, I am free. You cannot tell me things. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> so God has called us into submission. So that's the first thing. Verse twenty-one. God, call, you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example. Now, why should you submit? Because Jesus suffered and left an example for you to follow. by submission and you should follow in his steps he is an example you have to do it he is calling you to submission that's why you have to submit does it make sense many times we think um i worked in this context of what you call as a caregiver for a couple of years and all these people have got some kind of a problem like adhd or bipolar and all kind so they are kept in this house and you give care basically they don't have a structure to their life getting up doing things you know you got to make them help them to do those things be in the house with them 8 hours a day 24 by 24 by 7 you help them one of the main problems with them is whatever you tell them i will not obey you because you are telling me the spirit of rebellion in them So how do you get him to do what he doesn't want to do? He has to get up, brush his teeth. He says, "Brush your teeth, no? I'm not going to listen. Why you are telling me to do? I will not do. This is the attitude they have. So if you have worked in a caregiving caregiving concept, you will understand what I'm talking about. But it is not different in other places as well. Does it mean everybody has ADHD and bipolar and all kinds of problems? I don't know about that. But many children don't like to be told what to do. mom or dad they say something no <laughs> so that is the reason why i am telling we need to change our minds we have to submit to authority it's very important many times in the family these problems come because there is no submission there is no submission that's where problems come a young girl grows up and wants to marry somebody it is right but then father and mother say no i don't i don't like the boy i have got these questions to answer and they say no 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 girl may the boy may say i like the girl and um, the parents say no i don't like the girl you know look at the family the family is not good look at her she's uh, she's drunk and she fell down on the road her other day boy say no no i like her so the problem comes but this submission there's something called submission in the family all problems can be solved why because you willingly submit to authority and then god honors that kind of a submission in the family and we will talk about husbands and wives next week 
come with expectation <laughs> the word of god what the word of god has to say cool so these are the three things in verse 21 you have been called christ has suffered setting an example and we must follow in his footsteps that's why we need to submit but we need to understand the background in which peter was writing this command submit yourselves the background is that um nero is on the throne and christians are being thrown to the lions and burned at the stake it seems like an ideal time to fight back but that's not what peter teaches the christians to do he tells them to submit to the unjust authorities in leadership in fact nero blamed christians when there was a big fire in uh, in rome he said because of you guys the city set on fire so he he used to send soldiers they used to go search house by house if they are believers they will grab and drag them and bring them to um, the big arena and then they will be burned on stakes or they'll be thrown to lions to be eaten alive and they used to sit there and watch and enjoy that's what they did but in that context peter says submit to your government submit to your governor submit to your ruler does it make sense you will think there's a time perfect time to re- rebel to say no we will not obey what the king says the emperor says but peter is writing in that context and um, very good thing is we don't have that kind of situation now anywhere and in some places it could be there some governments are very harsh to christians i don't want to name them um, most of us know which, which countries they are and uh, they have no freedom to worship no freedom to carry the bible no freedom to talk about jesus to other people even sometimes the parents will spy on the children the children read the bible they will report to the government and if the parents go to church children will report to the government my dad mom is reading the bible and the police will come tak 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 search the house they find the bible they take them out and put them in prison so when things are going to be like that how do we obey how do we submit a difficult question but by the grace of god we'll try to grapple with this and try to understand it why should a christian submit authorities peter says for the lord's sake submit yourself for the lord's sake to every authority instituted among men every authority instituted among men but who is instituting this authority god behind every government whether this wicked government very bad government god is on the throne he is sovereign and he allows them to get power if he doesn't get power if he doesn't allow them power they cannot have that power you may not like anyone many countries i mean my the message i'm speaking is not just on to new zealand people listen from america and india and other places as well so what i'm trying to say is we may not like our ruler but still we have to submit so how does it work out practically we will try to understand on this matter paul also says in romans chapter 13 verses 1 to 5 talks many things but i'll summarize it for you there is no authority except from god verse 1 whoever resists the authority resists what god has appointed verse 2 the one in authority is god's servant that means president prime minister whoever is their premier he is god's servant verse 4 twice he reiterates in verse 4 the same thing 
Romans 13 verse 4. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. That means whatever kind of ruler who you have, God has appointed. And he will approve, he will disapprove. So better to obey and, and escape punishment. To avoid guilty conscience. To avoid God's wrath for disobedience. If you disobey government, you are disobeying God. That means you'll have a guilty conscience. To avoid all this, submit. They're discharging their duty. Who? The government, authority. We should do our part by paying taxes, revenue, respect, and honor. He's leaving nothing out. Some people want to revolt against it. Why should I pay taxes? Well, if you can legitimately claim back money, do it, do so. But some people don't want to claim legitimately the money that is due to them. But don't manipulate the records to avoid the tax because you are telling lie. You are cooking up stories. There is no expense, you show expense. and That's not right. So do your part by paying taxes, revenue, respect and honor that is due to them. Now I want to give you an example so that it will become more forceful. The example is from the life of King David. King David was a young boy, maybe 15, 16, when he was ordained or anointed by Samuel as king. But there was already a king, Saul. Because he disobeyed God, God has said, I don't want Saul to be king anymore. My heart has moved away from Saul. But he continued to reign for a few more years, nearly 30, 40 years. He was, he was there in, the, in power. And uh, during this time, he persecuted this young boy, David. Why? When he killed Goliath, people came out, particularly the women came out from the houses, and they all started singing and dancing in the streets. Thousands, Saul killed thousands, but David killed ten thousands. This he heard. They are attributing thousands to me. They are attributing ten thousands to David. What next? They'll, kill the, they'll make him the king. They'll remove, me, remove my kingship and make him king. So he became jealous, and he started persecuting him. He wanted to kill him. And several times he threw the spear at him, but he escaped. But he was running for his life. One, one such instance from 1 Samuel chapter 26, verse 7 onwards I read for you. So David and Abishai went to the army by night. It's basically Saul was looking for David to kill him. He was, he was looking for him in the wilderness. And in the night he was sleeping. At his head was a spear and there was a jar of water. And there's a commander, all the biggies, they're all surrounding the king and in circles, everybody was fast asleep. And Abishai was uh, David's nephew, his sister's son. And Abishai and David, they go into the, into the camp. That is into the how do you go into the camp when everybody, you go into the middle and you want to kill the king or you want to take away the spear, if you are detected, what are the chances of two people surviving the whole army? But they had taken the risk and they go in. Listen to the story. It will be more interesting. And there lay Saul sleeping within the encampment with his spear stuck in the ground at his head. And Abner and the army lay around him. Then Abishai said to David, God has given your enemy. He's whispering now in this camp. God has given your enemy into your hand this day. Now please let me pin him to the earth with one stroke of the spear. I will not strike him twice. Only one. He'll be done. But David said to Abishai, 
destroy him. For who can put out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? And David said, as the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him or his day will come to die or he will, do, he will go down into the battle and perish. He's discussing in the enemy camp, whispering all these things is going on there. <laughs> this is my imagination. Bible doesn't say he's whispering. How can you talk <laughs> in the midst of all these people? It must be whispering, you see. The Lord forbid that I should put out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But take now the spear that is at his head and the jar of water and let's go. So David took the spear and the jar of water from the Saul's head and they went away. No man saw it or knew it, nor did any awake. But they were all asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. That was what attracted me when I read the story. A deep sleep from the Lord fell upon them. God was trusting the life of Saul with David. God was working with David. David wanted to go into the camp, steal those things, just to tell him, see, I had the authority to kill you. I had power to kill you, but I, have not, I did not do it. Why? Why are you pursuing me? Just go away. Leave me alone. That's, that's what he wanted to say. And God said, good. I will cooperate with you. I will put them to sleep. And if David changed his mind and said, okay, let's pull out the spear from the ground. Bang. One shot. What would, what would happen? <laughs> so in, in a situation like that, when your life is being pursued by your superior, your employer, your boss, can you obey God? When you want to obey God, God will be working with you to help you to submit. He'll help you to Submit. What a beautiful story. I, I was just, I said, this is amazing story of submission. You, how can you reach out and touch the Lord's anointed? Saul is anointed by God. Until he dies by himself or in the battle or something else happens to him. But I will not let my hand touch this King Saul. And he suffered for that for 15, 20 years. He was chased by Saul. He was running from place to place for life until he died on in the battle and then they made David the king at Hebron and that was only for the part of the southern part the Judah that means he was not king of whole of Israel for seven years he was king of only Judah and afterwards he becomes king of whole Israel after seven years cool what about bad leaders has God put them there some are very cruel. Some are very, very bad. And uh, sometimes when I sit back and uh, uh, think about uh, the people, if I have power to be gone, a handful of people, six people or eight people in the world who are running different countries, if they are gone, there will be more peace in the world. There will not be any war. There is no threat of nuclear um, button being pushed. Nothing will happen. Just a handful of people. But they are, the, they, are the, they, are, they are there. Why? God has put them there. God has put them there. Sometimes bad leader is better than no leader. Sometimes a bad leader is better than no leader. Many times in many countries when the elections happen, the choice may not be if you have got a best candidate and a bad candidate. The choice can be a bad and a worst candidate. 
So you have to choose the lesser evil. Why? There's no other choice. There's no best choice there. So sometimes the voting, you have to cast your vote for the one who is less evil. But for a country not to have a leader, when a country has no leader, it's God's judgment on the nation. God's judgment is on that nation when there's no leader in the country. I'll give you a scripture for that. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 1. See now, the Lord, the Lord Almighty is about to take from Jerusalem and Judah both supply and support. All supplies of food and all supplies of water, the hero and the warrior, the judge and the prophet, diviner and the elder, the captain of 50 and the man of rank, the counselor, skilled craftsman, clever enchanter. I will make me a youth their official. Children will rule over them. People will oppress each other. Man against man. Neighbor against neighbor. Young will rise against up, uh, up against the old. Nobody against the, against the honored. I mean, insignificant people rise up against the honored people. A man will seize one of his brothers in his father's house and say, You have a cloak. You just have one garment. You be our leader. Take charge of this heap of ruins. But in that day he will cry out, I have no remedy. I have no food or clothing in my house. Do not make me leader of the people. What a worst condition. If a country has no leader, that's a judgment of God. But one of the things about submission is we have to choose as an act of will to obey God. We have to choose as an act of will to obey God, to submit. So I will say, uh, let's make the declaration. I choose, please say after me, I choose as an act of the will to obey God. I choose to forgive and obey. So what is that going to really change the dynamics of your family, your job or anything? This is a general principle. I choose to obey. Wife has to say, I choose to obey husband. Employer has to, uh, employee has to say to the employer, I choose to obey. Only then things will go smooth. Only then things will go smooth. Why do you have to bear persecution and submit? If there is bad situation and your employer is not really good towards you, then how do you, uh, why do you have to bear? First Peter 2.19 1 Peter 2, 19. I'll read it for you. For it is, it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But now, but how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? If you have done something wrong and you are being punished, what is great about it? You deserve it anyway. But if you are doing right and you are being persecuted and you are conscious that, conscious that you, are, you are conscious of God, as an act of honoring God, you are in that context obeying, then God will give you reward. Who will give you reward? God will give you reward. So that's the reason why many times we forget in the context of family. I should be not saying it now. should be saying next week because I'm talking about husbands and wives. But the point is, in the family also, we need to submit. Why? Because it's the reward. Reward is not immediately husband or wife. It is God who will reward you because you submit. Because you submit. 
and in the, in in, um, in many other places you have got the lord's teaching the lord says in matthew chapter 5 verse 10 blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for this is the kingdom of heaven when you are pursuing god when you are trying to do god's will and you face persecution blessed are you why because you are going to uh, yours is the kingdom of heaven you are going to receive the kingdom of heaven it is very simple it is very simple in this life we we may have an employer i may have an employer who is cruel towards me but i submit to him because i am a christian he is giving me trouble and i bear it i die the employer may think i have done something achieved something great i persecuted this guy and he died today but who will give reward god will give me reward because of his righteousness i have obeyed him believers should submit to authorities because of the example of christ the next reason is why should we submit because christ has set a example let's look at his life it was his submission to the father that sent him to the cross because he was yielded to the father he was sent to the cross submission led him to die on the cross is that good of course we all are saved because of that if he did not die we would not be having salvation he submitted to the cruel suffering from pilate's hand pilate was at one point saying do you know i have authority to put you to death or to let you go free jesus looked at him and said no you don't have any authority except is given from above so what was he trying to say you have authority that's given by god i submit to it i submit to the authority that god has given you and what was he doing he was washing his hands and letting people take him and crucify that's how he set an example and jesus what did he do he entrusted himself to god first peter 223 when they hurled their insults at him he did not retaliate when he suffered he made no threats instead he entrusted himself to him who judges justly he did not threaten pilate do you know who i am son of god i can call forth legion of angels they will come and set me free and they can kill you in one instant one second you'll be dead man he didn't do any of those things can he do those things he can but he never did it so that's why we need to look at christ's example <coughs> he honored god by his submission Paul has practiced this thing again in his life. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 11, he says, "And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That's why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for my shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day." St. Paul writes about it. He says, "I am a appointed a herald and apostle for this gospel." and a teacher that is why i am suffering as i am he was in jail he was moved from jail to jail and at one point he was going to be set free but then they wanted to conspire and allow him to be killed he says i appeal to caesar and they they could have let him go free because he said appeal to caesar he said you will to caesar you will go and you're sent to rome the point i am trying to make here is he entrusted to him until that day that is until the day the judgment day he entrusted his life to him the word entrusted i think is something like 
when you, you are trusting your money with the bank, you go and put your money in the bank. Why? It is safe. Two, they give you interest. It multiplies. It may not be much, just 2%. <laughs> Very little. But the point is, you trust, you entrust your money with the bank. Just you entrust your money with the bank, Paul entrusted his life to God and he submitted himself. He suffered for the sake of the gospel. When can we disobey? Is there a place when we can disobey? Or you always have to suffer and submit? <laughs> That's the question. I'll just give you a couple of examples. One, if the government interferes with Christian conscience, believers have the right to disobey. The government gives you an order, do this thing, which is against your faith, you can disobey. Example, Acts chapter 4, verses 18 to 20. Uh, in that, what happens in Acts chapter 4 is, Peter was arrested and he was told not to preach the gospel. This is after they healed a lame man sitting by the um, gate called Beautiful and who was uh, lame from, the, uh, from birth. Silver and gold have I none, such as I have I give unto you. Rise up in the name of Jesus. He was healed and he started walking. And then he was interrogated. He was flogged and uh, um, uh, put in prison and all kinds of things were done because of that. But then they, when they were let to go, when they were let go, they charged them not to preach this gospel. And then what did Peter reply? Leaders, he's submitting to them. Leaders, listen, is it right for us to obey you, our God? So they disobeyed. And they went out again and they started preaching the gospel again. So when the gospel is being restricted, when your freedom to believe in the gospel, to practice it, to preach it, is being questioned, is being restricted, that's the time you disobey. Not everything that is legal is biblical. Many things can be legal. Government can say it is right to do. It can be wrong according to the word of God. I'll give you an example. Abortion. Is it right? All over the world Christians believe abortion is wrong. We all believe abortion is wrong. And then we've got prostitution. The government says it's illegal. But that's not right. It is sin. It's promoting sin. And some countries have made marijuana legal. Cannabis is being made legal. But it's ruining the lives of many people. Many can argue, oh, my, by using it, my health is better. I'm, I'm able to forget my pain, so I need that drug. Okay. <laughs> Then let the doctors decide whether you need it and let them prescribe. We have got no problem. But making it legal is not really good for the society at large. I still have 10 minutes. Let me see whether I can finish. <laughs> cool. Then I'll give one more example of disobedience. Let's take the example of Daniel and his friends. When they were taken captive from Judah and taken to Babylon, and then they selected some of the people who were very bright and, you know, they were tra training them so that they can take responsibility and become officials in Babylon's court. And they were given food eaten by king. What king drank, they can drink. What he eats, they can eat. But these young children, four of them, they decided not to defile themselves with the king's food. Why? 
it was offered to idols. So they said, we don't want to eat the food offered to idols. So what did they say? They went to approach the guy who is in charge. You know, we are not rebelling. We just want to keep our conscience clean. Please help us. We don't want to eat king's food. That guy says, you want to rebel? You don't want to submit? My head will be cut off. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Just give us vegetables. Just give us vegetables. And observe, if we do well compared to other people, let us eat vegetables. But if we don't do well under the vegetables, we'll eat the king's food. So were they rebelling against the king? No. But were they, sub were they submitting to the king? They were submitting to the king. But were they accepting the king's food? No. So that is the model for us. How do you submit to the government? How do you rebel or how do you resist? What is going contrary to your conscience? The example of Daniel and his friends. Will God work with you? He will. Did he touch the man who was in charge, who was given in charge to give food to Daniel and his friends? He touched his heart. He listened to them. He gave them vegetables. At the end of the period, set, set period, they were looking better than the other people who were eating king's food and drinking from king's table. They were looking better than them in many aspects, in every way. That is what God will do for you. When you take a stand to honor God, he will reward your faithfulness. If you agree with me, give me a strong amen. A little stronger. Amen. Yeah, that's what it should be like. So when the apostles said, should we listen to you or should we be obeying God or should we be obeying you? They were submitting to Sanhedrin, submitted to the institution, but refused to stop preaching the gospel. They were not saying you are not Sanhedrin. They are not saying you have no rule or authority over us. No, they are not saying it. Guys, we are submitting to you, but is it right for to obey you or to obey God? And they obeyed God and continued to preach the gospel. Sometimes, you know, many church buildings are being built. Let's say we, I'm just a hypothetical case. Suppose tomorrow we want to build a church. We've got lots of money, <laughs> which we don't have now. Then you have to approach the city council and say, this is the building plan. City council will say, ah, you got 10 doors, not enough. You must have 15 doors. Because if something happens, people should be able to escape. Uh, you got fire alarm, you have put only four. No, you must put 20 fire alarms. Whatever they, they can say it. You cannot say the city council is persecuting you because they are making you put more doors, more fire alarms, nothing. You got to obey the city council orders and the specifications for building construction. Why? It is done for the safety of the people who will be gathering in that building. But the city council cannot prescribe what the preacher should be saying from the pulpit. That is, they will be interfering with the freedom of the church. But if they say the building has to be like this, this is how deep should be the foundation, this how high the structure can go, you cannot say, no, 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 you are saying 20 feet, we want to build 40 feet, that's going to be wrong. They are going to come and pull down the building. Do you understand where, how these things are interacting? So that is how we need to be careful about how we do things, where we should submit, where we should uh, be doing something different. I'm doing well. Jesus died as our substitute. 
everybody said to your neighbor jesus died our died as our substitute as our substitute he died in our place when he died we died with him so that we no longer under obligation to fulfill demands of sinful nature he died so we might receive life he was wounded so that we might get healing so jesus himself submitted to the father and when he died we are dead with him when he was raised we are raised with him and we are all these things have happened by his submission what is he telling us that we need to live a holy life we need to live a righteous life we cannot compromise with sin why he paid for our freedom by his own life not only that first peter 2:24 says by his stripes now okay he himself bore our sin in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness that's the purpose of god's choosing you that's the purpose of god calling you he chose you he called you so that you will uh, so that you will die to sins and live for righteousness this is your freedom god has called you for freedom freedom from sin not from authority freedom from sin not from responsibility relationships husband and wife parents and children not to you are not free your freedom is not to say i don't care if my son is crying for food that's not your freedom do you understand what the freedom really means that's the freedom god is calling you to to avoid sin by his wounds you have been healed now this is the most precious word he has done two things in one go when he died on the cross he paid for your sin the he for your healing he shed his precious blood allor is what you broken for your healing it deals with both sin and sickness both are done once for all he is not going to do anything more so what is how do you benefit from it you receive from him what he already has done this is what this is a problem for many people we are not able to understand what jesus did for us on the cross the day you understand you will move in power why you are going to declare people healed in the name of jesus they will be healed why he is not going to do anything more again he already has done 2000 years ago you have to believe it and you have to receive it you have to believe it and you have to receive it i'll quickly tell a story and then <coughs> bring it to close there was a lady who was in the wheelchair and she did not know about <coughs> the lord so someone reached out to her shared the word after she became a believer she started reading the bible and she started reading the gospels she saw the blind being healed paralyzed people being healed the lame people being healed dead being raised so one day she sat in her wheelchair and told the lord lord jesus you heal the blind man you heal the leper you heal the paralytic why am i in the wheelchair jesus spoke in her heart child i have healed you so she was excited to hear the voice she started telling everybody i am healed in the church they will say do you have a testimony she'll put her hand up what is your testimony jesus i've been healed jesus said i've been healed and she still in the wheelchair so this was going on month after month after month every time there's a testimony time she'll put her hand up what's your testimony i've been healed she's still in sitting in the wheelchair So one day pastor came and said please don't do it you're living in denial please don't do it please don't do it she goes home reads her bible 
Jesus, you said I've been healed. I'm still in the wheelchair. I cannot bring glory to you by my testimony. So something, somewhere, something is wrong. So you have to heal me so that I can tell the people, when I, wake up, when I walk from the wheelchair, then I can tell the people that you really did heal me. And suddenly Jesus appeared in front of her. And she saw Jesus. And Jesus said, daughter, I have healed you. If you heal me, why am I in the wheelchair? Jesus said, you just have to get up and walk. Jesus said, you have to just get up and walk. Then she reached out her hand and Jesus took her hand and she got up from the wheelchair and never had to go back to wheelchair again. So why am I telling you this story? You have been healed by his stripes. Whatever mental agony you are going through, whatever oppression the enemy you are going through, whatever sickness you are going through, you have been healed by his stripes. Done and dusted. What has to be done? You need to take it. You need to take it. You need to believe it. You need to act upon it. And the power of the healing power will kick into your body. Take your stand and resist it. We were talking to one lady recently. We prayed for her one day, morning till evening. Nine hours we prayed for her freedom. So many demons came out. And again after two weeks she calls us and says, I'm back in my problem. I'm in agony. And I have gone back to uh, different kinds of healers and other kind of people. I said, why did you do it? You know demons come through those systems. We have cast out the demons. Why did you go back? No, I was so helpless. So I had to go back. Okay. You are not helpless. You stand. We prayed for you nine hours. So after going home, did you pray for nine hours? She said, no. Okay. Did you pray for one hour? She said, no. I said, that's what you're supposed to do. Stand up and tell that spirit, in the name of Jesus, I've been healed by his stripes. You cannot be in this body. Leave my body now. I command you out. Command you out. Command you out. Say it until the spirit goes. And there's nobody. When, you, when we used to pray, in the name of Jesus, I command you out. She'll be over throwing her head and back and hours hours she was doing it. Now I am not there. I'm not saying anything. She's telling to herself, in the name of Jesus, you evil spirits, leave my body. And she was doing to herself. Swinging and everything for an hour. And then she felt, when she calmed down, she felt the spirit leave. Do it until every spirit goes. Do it until every spirit goes. Your freedom is paid for already. You take it. You take it. You resist it. In the name of Jesus. You will be free. You will be free. Just to conclude... The same Peter who is writing this about submission. In the garden of Gethsemane, when the, the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, what did he do? He took out the sword and cut off somebody's ear. What did he do? He drew the sword, cut off somebody's ear. And Jesus had to put the ear back and heal it. The same Peter is writing now. That's not the way. That's not the way. You have to submit. And in his personal life, what did he do? When he went to Rome, where he was crucified upside down, they said, now we are going to put you to death. He said, please do me one favor. What favor do you want? My Lord died straight. 
his head up, feet down on the cross. I don't deserve to die like him. Please crucify me upside down. So his head was down, feet were up, he was crucified. That is submission. That is submission. So today, the challenge for us is, are we going to change like Peter changed? The same Peter denied the Lord. When he followed him into the trial room, trial house, they said one, one little girl looks at him and says, oh, I can see you are a Galilean. You are surely one of the disciples. He said, I don't know. I don't know him. After a while, he was seeing two, three people making fire and warming up. He goes there again and says, stands there. And someone says, you are surely his disciple. Your accent gives away. You are a Galilean. I don't know what you are saying. With a curse, he disconnected himself with Jesus. And the third time when and, uh, uh, the, the, the cock was crowing, and the third time when he denied the Lord, Jesus, even though he was there being questioned, he, from there he would put one glance to Peter when he denied a third time. And Peter became guilty and went away from there. And he sobbed and cried and repented for denying the Lord. The same Peter says, I don't deserve to die the way my master was crucified. Please crucify me upside down. Are we willing to obey, submit? Like Peter was changed man, are we willing to do it? Let's bow down our heads in prayer. <clears throat> thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for the word. We pray, bless this word to our hearts. Touch our heart, touch our mind. Touch our heart, touch our mind. Touch our heart, touch our mind. Change us, O Lord Father, that we may not place ourselves as the number one position in our life, but help us to be servants of people. And Lord, I pray that you would also, Father, give us that obedient heart that we may obey you, that we may keep your interests at our heart. Even as you taught, seek if us the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Help us to seek your kingdom. Help us to seek varied interests of the kingdom, different interests of the kingdom. Help us to be occupied. Help us to be occupied with those interests of the kingdom. And if the persecution comes, if the trouble comes, Help us to bear it joyfully. And our Father, grateful, being grateful because you are counted worthy to suffer for you. Oh God, I pray to take it as a privilege and to suffer for the glory of your name. I pray this time, oh God, Father, that you will touch our hearts this morning and prepare our hearts to obey you, to submit to you, to honor you, to bring glory to you through our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Omega. If you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or simply to find out more, please head to our website or Facebook page in the links below.